So last week I talked a bit about our thoughts and particularly our habitual thoughts, those thought patterns that come up over and over again and how those work to create our karma, our, our character and our karma, future experience. And today I want to reflect a bit on the kinds of things that we do that um, or experience that bring up our defilements or our unwholesome tendencies or you might say our underlying tendencies. And it's and also how how we um, how that gets provoked in us and also how we might do things that cause that to come up in ourselves or in others. And I wanted to share a sutta with you. Um, but maybe for a moment just to, just to reflect a little bit on, what kinds of experiences or what kinds of contact bring up defilements, if, if you want to call them that, or unwholesome tendencies or feelings? If you just think about, you know, the kinds of things we listen to or see. So for our topic today, giving some thought to the kinds of experiences that provoke our um, unwholesome tendencies. And you know, when we look at underlying ten tendencies, for example, it's, you know, three of them at least are greed or lust, um, aversion, and, um, and ignorance or delusion. And, you know, those are enough probably to look at, but it could be anything, you know, what, what provokes jealousy, what provokes, um, you know, certain kinds of, um, you know, desire, covetousness, or um, anger, resentment, irritation, you know, if we, if we give some thought to the things that are unwholesome that bring about uh, unskillful behaviors and speech, to just reflect a bit on like what those, what those contacts are. And then, and then in also to think about how we might kind of provoke that in other people. And I find this an interesting reflection because I think oftentimes, perhaps not with any of you, because you've all been practicing and it's uh, something that, you know, mindfulness helps us to be more aware of, but to reflect on how it works in the world, you know, that, for example, how advertising works and how it can bring up our desires and how, um, you know, 
sort of certain kinds of media or artistic expression might bring up desires or or negative feelings like even ill will or anger, resentment, uh, righteous indignation. And this, um, there's a sutta in the connected discourses in the Sangyutta Nikaya that you may have heard me mention before, but I thought I would share it in this context. It's about, uh, it's in the, the Sangyutta on what's translated as headman or the chief of a group, the leader. You could think of your manager or uh, a political leader or anyone who has a position of authority like that. And this particular sutta is about the head of an acting troupe, uh, a group of people who perform. And how many of you know this sutta already as I'm, there's one hand going up in the room. There's another one. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So um, this person, his name is Talaputta and he's uh, the head of this acting troupe and he comes to the Buddha and pays respects to him and sits to the side and says, Venerable sir, I've heard it said that among actors of old in the lineage of teachers, if an actor in the theater or at a festival entertains and amuses people with truth and lies, then with the breakup of the body after death, they're reborn in the company of the laughing devas or the laughing gods that basically there's a good destination because you've been, you know, entertaining people and amusing them. And he says, what is the, what does the Buddha think of that? And he, and the, the Buddha says, don't ask me that question. Basically, I don't want to give you any answer about this, but he persists. Talaputta persists and he wants to know. So he asks again and the Buddha says again, don't ask me this question. And then he asks again. And finally, the Buddha says, surely I'm not getting through to you when, you, when I say, uh, let it be, don't ask me that. But since you're not uh, taking that as an answer, I'll say that in a theater or festival among beings who are not yet free from lust, who are bound by the bondage of lust, an actor entertains them with titillating things that excite them even more strongly to lust. In the theater or festival among beings who are not yet free from hatred, who are bound by the bondage of hatred, an actor entertains them with infuriating things that excite them even more strongly to hatred. In the theater or arena among or festival among beings who are not yet free from delusion, who are bound by the bondage of delusion, an actor entertains them with bewildering things that excite them even more strongly to delusion. Thus being intoxicated and negligent himself, having made others intoxicant and negligent with the breakup of the body after death, he's reborn 
in the hell of laughter. Um, the commentary notes that there is no such hell. The idea is that if there's a, a bad karmic result that's not a happy result. And then there's some more about um, other possibilities if, in such cases, making this kind of um, unwholesome result in the world and having this wrong belief that this is actually a good thing. And so, you know, the language is a little awkward maybe, but we can relate to this. I mean, how many movies bring up these kinds of feelings and there's an intention behind it, you know, whether it's um, whatever kind of art form, but then we can also think about the things that calm these feelings, those messages and, um, and um, films. The number of the sutta is number two. It's in the Sangyuta 42, and it's the second sutta, number two. And there are other interesting ones in this same collection about the things that leaders of groups or a leader of a village would ask the Buddha. So the, the point here is, you know, last week we looked at the impact on our character and on our experience of life that is created by our habitual thoughts. And now kind of thinking in terms of our habitual speech or action or our uh, beliefs about what is good, useful, helpful to the people around us and to ourselves, that might be an error. Because certainly we have this kind of belief in our culture that it's okay to express ourselves in almost any manner and to produce um, art and music and theater and whatever in almost, you know, like um, in almost any way then, you know, and, and yet do we understand the actual potential results? And to think, I mean, I can look back on many instances in my life when I've said and done things that would evoke these unwholesome responses in other people. And I think it's valuable to kind of take a little inventory like that because it helps us to become more aware and conscientious around what we say and do, and also around like what affects our own mind in this regard. Now, Buddha talked about these underlying tendencies that we all have until we're awake, until we're completely enlightened. He talked about in here, you know, if beings are still, they have the, um, they're not yet free from lust, hatred, or delusion, there's still something underlying that can get provoked and brought to the surface. 
And in some ways, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on what we do about it. Because there are other suttas that where the Buddha talks about how do we eradicate those underlying tendencies? You know, if we've, if we've got the tendency for greed or lust to arise or the tendency for aversion or hatred to arise or the tendency for ignorance or delusion to arise, then what, what, do we, what can we do to eradicate that tendency? When it's hidden, how can you really work with it? Well, the way that we work with it is when it actually arises. So if something we see or something we hear causes us to be um, filled with lust or filled with anger or even a minor kind of negativity, then it's right there with the pleasant feeling, the painful feeling or even neutral feeling that when we, when we really look at it and how do we look at it? The Buddha says, look at it with regard to impermanence. Look at it with regard to non-self. It's insight into these truths about reality that helps the erosion or the complete eradication of the underlying tendency to have that arise. As I say that, I mean, obviously, the responsibility for our own mind is completely in our own sphere. It's not like I should blame someone else for what they say or do that causes um, this to arise in me. I have the responsibility to either use sensory restraint and stay away from the input or to or, and, or, <laughs> it's probably more like, and, <laughs> when it arises to really work with it directly so that I can erase that tendency in myself. Having said that, we go back to the sutta I just quoted from, and we see that if we're the one saying and doing things that provoke this in others, we're actually making karma in that way, regardless of how they handle it. There is a karmic result. And even if we do it unintentionally like this person, so when I said the Buddha then goes on to talk about other possible problems, he said the karmic result is not good if you don't understand this either. If you if you're doing this in ignorance, you basically have wrong view. And having wrong view leads to an unhappy result. So it's, it's incumbent upon us to understand this truth and to use it so that we, we don't create those unpleasant results in the future. That doesn't arise um, we really are responsible for what we put out into the world. And if we are putting things out into the world, the more people we reach, the more compounded the karma is, right? It's like, um, you know, if you're, um, you know, doing something, saying something uh, that provokes these 
feelings or this uh, in, in someone in your own living room, that's a problem. But if you do it on a stage in front of a thousand people, that's a bigger problem. And, and at this point, all of us have access to a large audience over the internet. And you can see how this kind of thing plays out in social media, where we can really have an effect on, on others, um, positively or negatively. So, you know, we don't wanna just look at the, the, how we provoke the underlying tendencies, or maybe some of them aren't lying so deep underneath, you know, a lot of them are pretty, pretty close to the surface and we can get really into it. Um, and in some sense, it's a kind of entertainment. Human beings like to have something happening, you know, even when it's something that's not very good. So we have to watch out for that, that, that desire to have, to be occupied in some way. Um, even if those feelings are, are quite unpleasant and what we're creating is unpleasant. I knew someone once who had a roommate um, and she realized that the way they communicated was in this very unwholesome, like, um, you know, but it was the way they communicate. It was, it was their style of communication. They actually had some kind of communication. It just happened to be really harsh and unwholesome. And, and it's like, okay, we have to like, look at this. We, we actually have other options. <laughs> and we could then look at what are the things that we can say and do that actually calm those unwholesome tendencies. Not to cover them up, but at least get them under uh, a manageable kind of uh, degree, you know, <laughs> kind of like bringing it, bringing down the temperature instead of, instead of cranking it up. And there are so many um, wonderful things. I really love some of the passages where the Buddha talks about speech that is beautiful, pleasant to hear that, that really goes to the heart, that's worth recording. You know, those things that actually bring peace. And, and maybe actually bring those things that we listen to, that we say, that we watch, that actually bring uh, a deeper understanding of reality in accordance with Dhamma to really be able to um, identify that when we find it in the world and when we find it in our own experience, our own way of listening to someone or talking to them. So I'm, I'm very interested in hearing what others have to say, but I think maybe we'll give it a little time to cook and meditate for about 30 minutes. <laughs> 